So God was looking for a nation to receive his commandment. He sent an angel to the Edomites. He said, would you like my commandment? They said, well, what does it mean? He said, is it something you got to do? Said, ah, we have enough rules. We have enough we got to do. Uh, no, we're too busy. We don't have time. Okay. So then the angel went to the Ishmaelites. He says, would you like God's commandment? And uh, they said, what's a commandment? It's, you know, something that you have to do. Oh, no, we have enough we have to do. Uh, we're not interested. We don't have time. Then he went to the Israelites. He spoke to Moses. The angel went to Moses and he said, would you like God's commandment? And Moses said, how much does it cost? He says, it's a commandment. It's free. Moses says, in that case, we'll take ten of them. <laughs> okay. So we know that Hashem gave the Ten Commandments, Seres Adibris, at the time of Matantayda, the revelation at Sinai, then later on, four days later, to be precise, the hard copy was received. The hard copy, uh, no pun intended, literally hard copy on stone. Yes. Okay. So in this week's Pasha, Pasha's Kisisa, we read, V'yitin el and he, Hashem, gave to Moshe, when when he had finished speaking to him, Bahar Sinai on the on Mount Sinai, two tablets of testimony, Luchais Evan, tablets of stone, that were written by the finger of God. Okay. So two Tablets of testimony, tablets of stone. Simple question I'm going to ask you. Such a simple question, we would never even think to ask it. Because we take certain things for granted, because it's just the way things have always been. Ten commandments, right? Ten commandments. How many tablets? Two. Two tablets. Okay. <laughs> Why? Ten Commandments, two tablets. We take it for granted because it's so ubiquitous, the imagery of Ten Commandments on the ten... What did you say, Chagall? Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah, I'm just saying, like, why, why wasn't it just one tablet? Three tablets. That's a question. Well, two because of um, the nature of the, of the concept. Of but I'm saying, in theory, if you just... If, if you talk about the math here, there's no reason why you couldn't put ten... Commandments on one tablet, or or conversely, let's go to the other extreme. You could put one commandment on ten tablets. Why do you have to put ten commandments on two tablets, and specifically five commandments on each? Okay, that, that's one explanation that's given the Adam Lamakim Ben Adam that they separate duties to Hashem and duties between man and his fellow. That's actually not the answer that we're going to learn today, but interesting uh, comment. But I'm asking on a, on a much more basic level why split it up at all? Or if you're starting to split it up, then let each one be on its own. You know, we have like 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 dice. You know, have ten tablets, each one with one, with one commandment on it. Furthermore, I just want to point out that the way that it'll be hard for me to carry it. Uh, um, 
By the way, it took supernatural strength to carry it anyways, even the two tablets. Right. It was too heavy for a normal person to carry. But at any rate, another thing I just want to point out, that in the verse that I just read, it says the word luchais twice, tablets. It's written lamed ches ches. There's no vav. Yeah, well, in Torah, things are sometimes written male and sometimes written chaser. So it's not written luchais. We know that the vowel is luchais with a chaylam, which means plural, or luchot, plural, two tablets. But it's written as if it were luchas, which would be, yeah, in, in Hebrew you have sometimes you take a noun and you put it, besmichas, um, you juxtapose it with another noun and you have the singular construct form. So, you know, you have like, Ava is love, and Avas Chesed is the love of kindness, right? Or Torah, Toiras Chayim, Torah of life. So you put that tough, this is not a grammar lesson, but if you, if you put a tough at the end of a, uh, of a singular noun and you put it besmichas to another noun, so that it becomes like a construct, it becomes a, like a compound phrase. At any rate, so it's written like that. It's written like it were Luchas, but it's really Luchais, plural. And, uh, and Rashi explains, luchasksiv, it's written as if it were the singular uh, construct form. To tell you why, why does it say that? It's written as if it were singular. Because they were equal. That's what Rashi says. To tell you that they were equal. So now we have Ten Commandments, two tablets, and remember, two equal tablets. Five and five. All right, so as I said, these, this, this concept is so ubiquitous to us. We're so used to it. We take it for granted. It's like the air that we breathe. But we want to question it. What is the idea behind this configuration? Okay. So, <clears throat> here's what I want to ask you. We know that everything in Torah is precise. And everything in the world is precise. And that there are certain patterns in reality that repeat themselves. They're sort of the imprint of the creator within the creation. So here's my question to you. Where do you see in nature two symmetrical and complementary entities that each have five subsets to them? So two and two, and each of the two have five, what? So the human being has a right hand and a left hand, and on each hand are five fingers. So it's not that we have um, one hand with ten fingers, or ten hands each with one finger. We have two hands, each with, each with five fingers. What's the idea? Kabbalistically, we know that the right hand is chesed and the left hand is gvura. Those are the two major emotional energies in the universe. Giving and withholding. Chesed is giving, gvura is withholding. The gas and the brakes. Go and stop. In terms of Torah, those are do's and don'ts. Another way of looking at the two tablets 
is that they are organized by do's and don'ts. You mentioned before the bein adam lechaveda, bein adam lemakim, bein adam lechaveda. That's one way. This is another way. That the first tablet, you know, the first tablet is the right tablet, because in, in Hebrew we read from right to left. Right, exactly. You know the, the famous story. It's a true story that Henry Kissinger, when he was uh, Secretary of State for Nixon, he, he, he told Golda Meir, he says, listen, just because I'm Jewish, don't think you're going to get any favoritism from me, because uh, first, I'm an American, and then I'm a politician, and then I'm Jewish. He wrote to her in a letter. So she wrote him back and said, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to let you know that in Israel we read from right to left. <laughs> <laughs> so she read his list in the opposite order. First, he's Jewish. Okay. The right side is the first side. The right side are the do's. I am the Lord your God. Now, I know you're going to say, the second one is you should have no other gods and you should not take God's name in vain. So as the Sefer Achinoch explains in Mitzvah Chavav through Lamed, those, the Sefer Chinuch explains that you should have no other gods and don't take God's name in vain are really sub-commandments of I'm the, I am the Lord your God. And so that means those two are really part of that positive commandment, I am the Lord your God. And then you have Shabbos, which is obviously a positive um, command, especially in the first time you know, the, the, the Zohar as opposed to the Shomer. And then you have Kabbadah's Avicha, Vimecha, honor your, your, your parents, which is also a positive. So the first Luach, the first tablet, are dues. And then you have the second tablet, the left tablet, which are the don'ts. Loi, 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 loi. Or like I saw on a billboard in the Bible belt once, what part of thou shalt not did you not understand? Okay. So what's the, what's the idea here? You think about the two types of obligations, the do's and the don'ts, as a right hand and a left hand, and you start to realize the nature of Torah as an ethical system, as a legal system, as a way of life, needs to have this dynamism, this combination of these two opposite and complementary forces. A and if not, any system that would only have do's or only have don'ts is sort of, proverbially speaking, the sound of one hand clapping. And in contrast, when you have both do's and don'ts, you have two hands clapping, and what do you do when you're full of joy? You clap. And so therefore, a joyous Judaism is one that has to be composed of do's and don'ts. There is the love and there's the respect in emotional terms. Love is what I do for you. Respect is what I don't do because of you. I say there's a guy, uh, there's an example that I, that I came up with years ago, but I use it all the time because people seem to relate to it. A guy is driving home from work. Why is it the guy? Because that's what I relate to. So, uh, a guy's driving home, I mean, as opposed to it being a woman. Why? Because that's what I relate to. So a guy's driving home from work, and he really just wants to go home. He's tired. He wants to go straight home. And the phone rings, and it's his wife. 
and he, he has to answer it. And yes, and she says, could you stop off at the store for me and pick up the, you know, whatever. Some weird thing that husbands are sent to the store from time to time to pick up. You know, the cream of tartar. Like he has no idea what they use it for. He's, but he's sent to the store at least once a year to buy more of it. He doesn't know what it goes into, but for him it's a le level of like a supra-rational decree of a chayk. But his wife tells him to go get it, so he wanted to go straight home, but his wife said stop at the store, pick up the cream of tartar, so immediately what does he do? He turns on the blinker and he gets off the, 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 the highway and he goes to the store, and that's it. Because his wife told him to. And that is love. That's love. You say, oh, that's too trivial to be love? Husbands should try one time not doing it and find out. <laughs> yeah, then I'll find out. Okay. But then, let's say is the opposite scenario. He's coming home from work and he's going to the store. Why? Because he's been fantasizing since 11 a.m. when his boss yelled at him that he's going to stop off on the way home from work and he's going to go buy his favorite tub of ice cream. He's going to come home. He's going to hide it in the back of the freezer behind the frozen peas where no child will look. At 11 p.m. when the oldest child is pretending to be asleep, he's going to sit in his favorite chair and he's going to eat his ice cream with a spoon. Don't judge my hypothetical character's fantasy. That's what he's fantasizing about. At any rate, so he's ready to go to the store and pick up his ice cream. And uh, all of a sudden, the phone rings. It's his wife. And she says, I need you to come straight home. And that's it. No ice cream, no store. He goes straight home. That's respect. That's respect. See, in scenario number one, he wanted to go straight home. But she said, come on, go to the store for me. So he went out of his way for her. He did something extra, he did something more, and that's love. Scenario number two, he was ready to do something he wanted to do. She said, I need you not to do that. And he aborted mission. Okay, that's it. Self-containment. And he went and did her thing. So, love is what I do for you. Respect is what I don't do because of you. <laughs> and in relationships between human beings, this is true, as well as with Hashem. So there are the do's of Torah and there are the don'ts. The do's are what I do for Hashem, the don'ts are what I don't do because of Hashem. Mm -hmm. Now the question becomes, which one is more fundamental, which one is more important to uh, Jewish life? The do's or the don'ts. There was a, a rabbi in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, in the 1930s, who had learned in the town of Lubavitch the real Lubavitch, the Lubavitch that Lubavitch is named after, Reb Shlema Aaron Kazanovsky. And he came to America before the previous Rebbe. The previous Rebbe came to America in 1940. And before that, there were only literally single digits of you know, real Lubavitch Chassidim in America. And he was one of them. So uh, when he came to, when, when they when Lubavitch came to America, he had already experience with the American Jews. So they asked Rabbi Kazanovsky, what's the deal with the American Jews? Like, tell us, what, what, what are they all about? So he, he, he was trying to explain to them, American Jews are funny, like even when they're supposedly religious, talking about the 1930s America, the assimilation was rampant. Even the officially Orthodox were not so Orthodox. So they were, they were asking, what's the deal with the American Jews? He says, American Jews are funny. They all know how to make Kiddush, but none of them know how to make Havdalah. He meant it on two levels. He meant it literally, that Friday night the family gets together and it's very nice and you know you have a meal and you know the father stands at the head of the table and makes Kiddush and who doesn't know that? Who doesn't love that? Very nice family hour. But uh, 
by, by the end of Shabbos, I mean, already Saturday afternoon, this one's going to the library to do homework, and this one's going to the movies, and this one's going to, to football practice, and everyone's busy, and by the time Shabbos is over, there's no Havdalah, because people are already uh, doing their own things. So nobody makes, uh, no, everyone makes Kiddush, nobody makes Havdalah. But he also meant it on a deeper level, homiletically, he meant it. <coughs> Kiddush is from the word Kaddish, means holy. We, 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 we proclaim the holiness of something, we say, this is holy, this is good, we can use this in our service of God. <coughs> Havdalah means separation. To me, Mavdil means to discriminate. Discrimination is not a dirty word, by the way. Havchona is discrimination, to be able to discern the difference between one thing and another. I mean, there is a certain type of prejudicial discrimination we talk about as a societal ill. That's a different discussion. But discrimination as a, as a skill, as an ability to discern between one thing and another, it's not a negative thing whatsoever. It's, it's, it's a necessary thing to go through life. You have to be able to make decisions. And decision-making is, is based on discernment. They don't make that discernment, he was saying. So they know how to make kiddush, they know how to say everything's holy, we can do this, we can do that, we're in America, we're in a free country, we can use everything, everything can be part of our lives. So to make kiddush, no problem. To, to, to be mavdil, to make havdola, to say no, this can't be part of our lives. Or this can't be part of this day. This, you know, we don't do this on this day. This is not a Shabbos activity. Or, or th this is not the context within which we do something. Like maybe this is, a, this is a fine thing, but in the way that it's being done, we can't take part of it because, because, of, because we're Jews. They don't have that ability. They're just open to everything, and they don't have that ability to make boundaries. So that's what he was, because Anofsky was, was, was warning his colleagues when they came over to America. I was one time at a shul somewhere in the world. I won't say where. I don't want to get too specific, but it was in the world. And uh, somewhere on the planet Earth. And yeah, did I give it too much away? So I, it was one of these things where I was supposed to speak in shul like after the Torah reading. So I got up there to the, to the pulpit and uh, I looked around and the entire shul was empty. It was empty, so I looked at the rabbi, I said, what's going on? The shul is empty. So he says, Kiddush club. So I said, doesn't look like a club. <laughs> it looks like the whole shul. He says, I couldn't fight it. You know, I just made it, uh, you know, an un unofficially official thing. So everybody just runs out, and I wait until they're finished, and then they come back in, and we continue. So he basically gave in to the whole Kiddush club thing. So after everybody comes back in, I don't remember what I was supposed to speak to them about that day, but I remember what I did speak to them about that day. They came back in, and I told them that story about Rabbi uh, Kazanovsky, about American Jews know how to make Kiddush. They don't know how to make Havdalah. I said to them, you know, it's interesting. You think this is the first Kiddush club I ever saw? I saw plenty of Kiddush clubs. But what I want to know is, in all my travels, all the places I visited, Never once did I see a Havdalah club. <laughs> Everyone's running for the Kiddush club. Nobody makes a Havdalah club. Why? Everybody wants to say, yes, we can do this. This is good. We can include this. We can make this part of our lives. This is acceptable. This is all right. Everyone likes to make Kiddush. But no, no one wants to make Havdalah. Nobody wants to say stop. No one wants to say, you know what? Maybe this doesn't have a part in our lives. No one wants to exercise that discernment and those boundaries and that self-containment. I remember I saw in a 
My, a, a, a book that <laughs> I, I mentioned sometimes, my father's a psychologist, so when I was a kid, sometimes I would read some books from his library. There was a book there about transactional analysis, whatever, they're not important, but it was talking about the hippie boy says to the hippie girl, do you love me? And she says, I love everybody. What does that mean? Do you love me? I love everybody. So then she loves nobody. If you can't say no, then your yes is not a yes. If you can't make Havdalah, then what is Kiddush? It's interesting. The signs of a kosher fish. There are two signs of a kosher fish, right? Fins and scales. Okay. Now it's interesting, the Gemara in Chulin asks, we know of no fish that has scales that doesn't have fins. So seemingly Torah could have just told us the scales, and then we would know. So there are fish that have fins that have no scales, you know, like, like sharks, you know, like jaws, right? Um, but uh, there are fish that, and, but there are no fish that have, that have scales and don't have fins. So... The Gemara Chulin asks why, and the answer over there is, you know, Yagdil Tehra Yadir. But there's an interesting ex explanation for this that the, the Labavitcher Rebbe gives in his Rishimus. You know, there were notebooks that the Rebbe wrote throughout his lifetime, particularly before he accepted leadership. And those, those notebooks were discovered after Gimel Thomas, after his passing. And uh, they're incredible, uh, incredible works, the Rishimus. Anyways, one of the Rishimus there talks about this, uh, about this Gemara and explains it, Alpi Kabbalah, that we are fish. What does it mean we are fish? When Rabbi Akiva was studying Torah, even when the Romans banned it, and he was asked to explain why he was risking his life, remember the famous metaphor that he gave, the parable of the fish. He said, remember the fox said to the fish, the fishmen are going to catch you, come out of the water, you'll be safe up here in dry land, and the fish says, no, if I'm in danger in my in my habitat, how much more so am I in danger if I come on dry land? So, um, and, and Rabbi Akiva said, look, if learning Torah, I'm in danger, but if I don't learn Torah, I'm in even more danger. Meaning to say that a Jew to the Torah is like a fish in water, right? So we, in our relationship with Hashem and His Torah, we are like fish. So the question is, what's a kosher fish? What's a kosher fish? Well, you've got to have two things. You've got to have fins and scales. Mm -hmm. What are fins and what are scales? Fins are what propel you. So when you make progress in your spiritual development, okay, that means your ability to learn Torah, your acumen, your, your prowess, your dedication, your, you know, the, the schwitz, all that stuff that propels you forward, like, like fins. Then there's the scales. What are scales? Scales are protection, yeah, they're armor. In fact, caskasis <coughs> means chainmail. Well, what do you do with, with scales? You don't do anything with them. They're just there to protect the fish so the fish is intact, so that the fish can swim around. So he uses his fins, that's what he does. Scales don't do anything, but if they're not there, then the fish isn't protected which means in the case of a Jew, he becomes susceptible to all types of foreign influences that undermine him. So here's the thing. Any fish that has scales will also have fins. In other words, if I'm protected, if I have my boundaries, if I know how to say no, if I know how to make Avdallah, if I have my standards and boundaries, in other words, my respect for Hashem, what I don't do because of Hashem, 
then I know I also have fins. Then I have my progress, the things that I'm doing to become greater in my spiritual service. The do's will also benefit. But if I only have the do's without the don'ts, then I don't even have the do's. So what, 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 what do we learn from this? That when Hashem gave us the Torah, He gave us ten commandments, which represent the entirety of Torah. Like Sadjagon explains, the 620 letters of the, of the Aseris Adibris represent the 613 biblical commandments plus the seven mitzvahs, Dirabanin, so that's 620, which is also Gematria Kasser, which is the Kasser Torah. So the entirety of Torah is, is, is contained within the ten commandments. But the Ten Commandments are represented by a right hand and a left hand. Five and five. And they are shaves, they are equal. You cannot put the do's ahead of the don'ts. And even to the contrary, because it is our nature to put more emphasis on the do's than the don'ts, we have to be extra careful to be mindful of the don'ts. I'll just close with this. Example. I like to use this, uh, I think it brings this out nicely. The greatest pitcher in the history of baseball, and I don't say this because of any sense of Jewish pride, I say this if you look at the statistics, if you look at the numbers, or if you look at polls of sports writers who will list you know, the 10 greatest pitchers of all time, one name that is almost always number one or, or near number one, are we aware of this? Sandy Koufax. Sandy Koufax, and I'm not saying because we're proud of him, because, he, oh, by the way, he was also from Bensonhurst. Shlem Aaron Kazanovsky was from Bensonhurst, or he was from Lubavitch, and then he moved to Bensonhurst. And Sandy Koufax was from ben Bensonhurst, and he moved to, uh, he eventually was in, uh, in, in, in L.A. But, uh, so, oh, so here's my question. Sandy Koufax was one of the greatest pitchers, if not the greatest pitcher in the history of baseball. But if you ask anybody about the, the game in his career that he is most famous for, what will they tell you? The World Series game that fe fell on Yom Kippur that he didn't pitch. The game that he did not play. In other words, you look at the greatest pitcher, statistically, if you want to look at the no-hitters and the perfect games, you have what to look at, what he, what he accomplished on the mound as a pitcher, you have, you have, you have, you have, you have what to look at. And, and yet, if you ask people, Ad Hayyim, to this very day, in fact, remember a few years back there was some type of a, a dinner uh, in, in uh, the White House in the previous administration, Obama. So I, Obama said a joke. Obviously he had joke writers who wrote it for him, but that's not, that's not the, the point. The point is that this is what he was, the Sandy Koufax is remembered for <laughs> decades later. Obama gets up and he says, Sandy Koufax is in the audience tonight. Sandy and I have a couple of things in common. Uh, Sandy is a left-hander. I'm a left-hander. Sandy can't pitch on Yom Kippur, and I can't pitch. Okay, whatever, it's not a hilarious joke, but the point is, the President of the United States, 40 years later, <coughs> 50 years later, is what, what references is he, is he making the, f the game that he didn't play. So the point is, sometimes we undervalue the power of the left hand, the self-containment, the discernment, discrimination, mm -hmm. saying no, chiefly no to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have to remember, the Torah was given two tablets, like two hands, like the sound of two hands clapping. <laughs>
Okay. Oh, by the way, one more thing. I just want to. I just want to point out something very cool. And I mentioned it if you were listening. Sandy Colfax, what hand did he pitch with? The left hand. That's the power of the left hand, the self-containment. Okay.